A common question asked of young couples is, when are you going to have children or are you planning to have kids? This question may seem innocent, but those words are like daggers to a couple struggling with the ability to conceive a child. Hello, I'm Catherine Paquette, and on this, the inaugural episode of Pieces of Us, I sit down with my husband, Brian, and we discuss our journey through infertility. Pieces of Us is a podcast that will explore human stories of struggle, stories of hope, and stories about lived experiences, because isn't that who we all are? We are a collection of our individual lived experiences and the lasting impact of these experiences. There aren't many topics considered taboo today, but infertility is near the top of the list. There is a hidden pain and a sense of shame that accompanies infertility. The topic can create uncomfortable and awkward conversations to others. There's a silence surrounding infertility. A warning to our listeners, this will be a very candid conversation and may be an emotional trigger for some individuals. Welcome to Pieces of Us, and this is something that I've really wanted to get started, just people sharing their stories, and I figured um, for the first show that I would share my story, I guess our story, because I am joined here today with my husband, um, Brian Paquette. Uh, hello, I'm excited to be here, and this is uh, I'm excited for you, so... Here, here we are. Thank you. And thank you for being so supportive. I do appreciate it. I have to say, you've been just my strong supporter, I guess, through this whole thing while I navigate new podcasting duties. <laughs> um, so we figured that we would come on and share our story about what kind of what we've been through. So I guess when did our story or our journey begin, Brian? Well, I think, I guess technically uh, for us, our story begins quite a long time ago, um, back in, I don't know, could I even uh, say <laughs> the, the 90s? <laughs> I think our story starts, uh, yeah, a long time ago. We've been together for, well, 15 years. Um, That's crazy. And we obviously knew each other, you know, even prior to, you know, going going together officially, so... Um, yeah, I think our story starts a long time ago, which is which is exciting. I mean, we've we started dating back in uh, two thousand and four, I think, after mm-hmm. high school. So, can you believe um, we're going to be fifteen years high school graduated from high school? Well, uh, no, I can't actually. I, you know, fifteen year out of, out of high school is crazy. Uh, yeah, hard to believe. We when we've almost been together now. 
uh, about the same amount of time that we've been apart. So it's, uh, yeah, that's great. Yeah. Cause we started dating when we were 18, 17, 18. Yeah. And we, uh, were married July 2nd, 2011. And so I guess, I don't know, it's kind of hard to, to jump in and maybe everybody listening is like, okay, get to the point. <laughs> well, I think for us, like we, we knew, you know, we got married, uh, so all seven, was it seven years into our relationship. I and mean, we, we had a lot of things we wanted to accomplish before we got married. So we obviously school was important to us in our careers and setting kind of a foundation. So we started with that. And I think it was almost, I feel like it was days after your graduation from uh, post-secondary education that it was like, okay, let's get married. Will you marry me? And <laughs> we, we started to plan our wedding right after that. So, you know, that was obviously, you know, one of the steps we knew we would take as a, in our journey, I guess, which was, I mean, when you think back to that day, I think we reminisce about that day, our wedding day, like uh, frequently and, and with our family and friends, it's certainly a day that stands out to us. And again, we thought we were on this, uh, this perfect kind of roadmap for, for us. And, uh, the next step was obviously getting, getting going with our careers. And, uh, even after, after marriage, things were going well and it was like, all right, we want to start a family. I mean, that's, that was just the natural progression for us. Yeah. It's kind of, it's kind of like the, you know, you read those child book stories, the storybooks about, you know, the happily ever after, and it's always kind of at that wedding. And then you just kind of fill in the blanks of, you know, successful job and you know you start you start your family and I think that's kind of maybe where where our story and kind of the piece that we want to share of us today um, is kind of the struggles that we faced with um, infertility and kind of our struggles for starting a family that you know some of our family and friends know about but a lot of people don't know um so, and that's kind of one of the most annoying questions, isn't it? When are you guys going to have babies? <laughs> oh, yeah. it's uh, Or you meet people and they think automatically because you're in your 30s and married that, oh, and how many kids do you have? And what are your kids up to? And, and you know, so, yeah, we, we struggle. Well, I shouldn't say struggle, but we get asked that all the time. So I, I think it's well, what we're here today to talk about about it because I think it's it's important to to do that. And, and it's, I mean, it's, it's out there. Um, we come across it all the time. I'm sure we'll kind of get into that, you know, as we, as we get going. So, yeah, no, definitely. Um, do you remember the first time I told you I was pregnant? Uh, oh, wow. We're going back here a little bit, but I, I remember, I believe it was a, in the morning, uh, you're gonna tell me I'm wrong. I think, but I, I think it was a, a morning I was going to work, and I thought that you had gotten a shirt that said something about um, my dad's my hero or something. Or there was a there was a baby like onesie in a bag that you <laughs> gave to me. I think yeah. on my way to work that morning, and that was kind of how you told me. And uh, yeah, I, I like I remember. Um, I do remember that. Point, thinking oh oh my god here we go like it's it's starting right yeah like, 
how exciting is this and and how different things have gone since that day <laughs> I know I think I think kind of where, where we've been I think that's kind of one of the it's something that has been taken from me I guess or I think that's one of the joys um like when you find out you're pregnant, being able to tell your partner and then being able to tell your family and family and friends and to kind of go through that joy and that excitement. And yeah. I think now it, it's a different story. It's just, I guess we're on a different path, but I'll, I'll always remember that. And I remember throwing that, that onesie away and just kind of feeling like, because at first I kind of thought, well, maybe I should keep it and and then give it to you later but I just felt like it had I don't know bad omen or like or I don't know it felt wrong I guess yeah yeah I had no idea if that even that thing still existed or not (laughs) to this day but yeah um so kind of I guess your initial thoughts and feeling you scared we're we're gonna have a baby well I think yeah we 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 obviously had friends and family who had kids and we kind of, I think you think, you know what you're getting into, but yeah, that moment you're like, Oh wow, this is like, this is going to happen now. And yeah, you're a little nervous about it, but knowing what I know now, I mean, it's just to think, you know, immediately like, you know, you get this positive test and you immediately think nine months later and the challenge is there. And here, here we are today with what, it, it was it's nothing about the nine month mark for us it was just getting past it was weeks and days uh, early on that you know that you get nervous about I guess yeah right? yeah yeah and I think I'll always remember though the first initial excitement because as you said and, and we're going to get into our story a little later I think we we're almost teasing it out a little bit but um you know now it's you, you, like you kind of said, you're still nervous and you kind of go by week by week. But, you know, that, that very first pregnancy, it, you imagine your whole nine months and kind of as silly as it is, I remember walking around in our backyard of our house and like just walking around and talking to baby. And I was only like days pregnant, <laughs> which is so silly. But like you're envisioning this life. And when we first bought our house, I remember envisioning like kids. We have a big rock in our backyard. And I remember thinking like, oh, that's where the kids are going to go and play and, and go into the woods and build trails. And like, you kind of envision this life. And then so when the very first pregnancy, I think that's, I didn't even think of it not working. It was just like, I'm going to be pregnant and it's going to happen. And so, yeah, I remember walking around in the backyard and just talking to baby and saying like, this is going to be such a beautiful home and I can't wait to be your mom and meet you and and then things went downhill. <laughs> um, so I did, I started spotting and we were very worried and um, it kind of became heavier. And then uh, we had gone in to, well, I had gone into the, at that point, I didn't have a family doctor, but I went to um, the walking clinic and they had done a blood work, follow-up blood work. And my numbers were dropping or my HCG levels, which indicated for pregnant or not. And they, so it was indicating that I, you know, I was miscarrying and, and it was labeled as a chemical pregnancy um, because it happened so shortly after I found out I was pregnant. It was only within those first weeks. So um, still devastating because you, 
Like, and I think that the word chemical pregnancy, like, I don't know, there's something with all these terms that are just like a jab in your heart. I didn't even know like that was a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Sure enough, you know, like you just, we've certainly become more informed and educated. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. All the, all the different terms, but yeah, that chemical pregnancy and, um, definitely very devastating and kind of sad and, um, but, you know, we knew a few people who've had some miscarriages. And I think once you go through something and you start talking to, like, maybe a few close family members, um, people start sharing their story or kind of, you know, they knew somebody who had a miscarriage and something very similar. So fast forward. <laughs> um, we are pregnant again in May. Um, and again excited but I think we approached it a little bit more nervously I guess we're cautious and keep in mind this is like this is back I don't know how many years ago we're talking five six years ago six like so to put in perspective time frame wise like yeah so I guess we um yeah time frame wise we had decided we had been married for almost a year um or like nine months before we decided, you know what, let's, we just bought a house, uh, put an offer in and it was accepted. We hadn't moved in yet, but we're like, let's, let's try to have kids. And you think it's going to happen right away. And, you know, obviously it doesn't. And I think it took us almost a full year before we had a, a positive pregnancy test, you know, and all the signs or everything that you read and you go to the doctor and they say, no, like typically it takes about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still, I, I remember it kind of made me nervous. And then we had the chemical pregnancy and I remember that February going to the doctor and just being like, I think there's something wrong. Like it's now been a year and a half, but he was very positive because he felt like since we already had, even though it was a chemical pregnancy that he felt there was something going going to happen I guess and to kind of hold faith a little bit and so it was a few months after that that you know we had another one so this is almost two years of trying Mm -hmm. a year and a half so um definitely longer than you expect when you first think we're gonna try to have a baby Mm -hmm. um so yeah that was in May and we were very excited late May or middle May, early June. And again, I started, you know, bleeding and spotting and very nervous. Um, and I had booked a doctor's appointment and do you remember, I hate, I always hate saying, do you remember where you are? Cause <laughs> your memory yeah, is not Yeah, I didn't know best. this was going to be a test, but, um, I'll do my best. Yeah. Um, but you were away. I was away. Well, I know I was away. I was golfing, maybe. Yes, but before that, before you were in London. That, you were at a manager's meeting. Okay, I was away. So I, I started spotting the next day. I was supposed to have the day off. I was going to a doctor's appointment that day, and uh, and so I started spotting. And it was quite like it was more than just where you can talk yourself into, because I think that's also the mental exhaustion of talking yourself into like, well, it's just spotting, but it's normal and. Um, I knew it was not like, I knew it wasn't, wasn't going to work. And 
at that point, our, your parents were living with us, but they were gone that night. And I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I should call you or, you know, I'm calling you with bad news. And But I just, I felt like I needed to call you. Oh, yeah. It's all coming back very vividly now, actually. I, yeah, I remember, uh, that's right, I was away in Moncton. I remember getting that phone call. It was the night before our meetings, and I was at dinner with a bunch of my colleagues. And, and uh, yeah, I remember that, that phone call. And, again, devastation, right? You just you just didn't think, oh, my God, here it is. It's happening again. Um and, uh, yeah, I was, well, I had, we were having a few drinks as a, as a group there. And, and I remember, you know, talking to some of my colleagues and I was getting pretty emotional about it. Like this is, and I knew you were obviously pretty upset. So I'm in Moncton. I can't drive myself home. It's like getting late in the we evening. We live in Halifax, which is what? Two so we're two, hours out, two and a half two hours and away. Half. I mean, yeah. And I remember my, uh, one of my managers that I worked with at the time saying like, you know, you got to get home. And <laughs> I took a cab from Moncton, New Brunswick to Halifax, Nova Scotia that night and, uh, and got here early morning, like 3 a.m. or something silly. Like, Ridiculous. To, and you didn't know I was doing that, but I just felt like, yeah, I've, I've got to be here. Like the manager's meetings can wait. Right. And I wasn't like, I wasn't hammered, but I wasn't sober. I was having a few drinks with the team and, um, yeah, I still, yeah, I remember that now. Um, and, you know, I got home and we, we got up that morning and we went, uh, we went to the doctor. I yeah, think, and that keep morning. in mind, you got home at three in the morning. So, and I'm thinking you're in a manager's meeting. So this, like, I thought I was dreaming. It was, <laughs> <laughs> but it's kind of one of those yeah. moments that you realize, like, there are times in life where you can just, like, pinpoint, like, this is why I love you or like this is and it's like those times that you've shown up for me that like I didn't ask you to or like you didn't need to come home and um but just the fact that you were like you were willing to drop you dropped everything you dropped like you didn't care about your manager's meetings you were just like whatever work can wait and and then the fact that you took a cab, <laughs> the poor cab driver. <laughs> oh, it was like a $300 cab ride, I think. But I think, I, I think it's those moments. So it's like, and as we go through this and the different things that we have gone through with, you know, our miscarriages and our infertility and our story, I think it is difficult. And there are times where it's really upsetting, but I think there are times, like it's almost made me love you more in a sense of just how much you are going to be there and like I've never doubted that like you put me first so thank you <laughs> yeah well I think it was important that you know we I had to be here for that and then we we had that doctor's appointment the next day because uh I think that was either pre-planned or we went to the yes. walk-in maybe we went to the walk-in clinic no it, it was pre-planned so when I found out I was pregnant I, I called the doctor right away and then she said okay in two weeks why don't you come in and and we'll do whatever a checkup and stuff so it was just kind of like the natural progression of when you find out you're pregnant and you do the at-home pregnancy right. test and then unfortunately or fortunately I don't know the day before you know I had the spotting so we had gone in just to kind of say, you know, we, we think we're miscarrying and mm-hmm. and she was there. And at this point we had our family doctor. Right. So we, yeah, we, that's right. We met her and, 
did the blood work and basically I think we got the results that day or the next day and it was, you know, yeah, it's yeah. The, the numbers were really down low. And the number go. the numbers were low. She had said that the numbers were low. And low. then to go in again just to see to make sure that the numbers were going down. And so um you were you were to go away to PEI or you had gone away. I had told you to. I said I think you didn't want to go and you were gonna cancel your trip. And I said, No, I think you should go. You need to get away. And mm-hmm. I think part of it and I don't know if there's any right or wrong way to deal with things. And I think part of our how we deal with things sometimes might be like, let's kind of not ignore the problem, but like get over it with distraction, I guess. Yeah. Well, life has to, to go on. I mean, that's a common theme. I think you'll hear today when we talk is that, you know, life has to go on. You can't sit in a corner and, and, and dwell on what you can't even control for one. But I mean, life's too short to, to curl up and ball and and cry. You know, we sure we did, but yeah, I think it was about life going on and, so that was a distraction for me that kind of got me my mind away from it. So yeah, off I went to uh, I think it was PEI. With it was an annual trip that we did, just kind of bad timing. But I ended up going because we knew what was happening here. You know, it was the inevitable. So well, what we thought was going to be just Simple playing itself out. Miscarriage, which I yeah, I don't even want to use those words. <laughs> but uh, so yeah, when I was here and. Um, bleeding a lot. It was, but nothing, um, that was kind of scary or anything. And, um, and I, I do, I do, like, I was, I remember sobbing at one point or crying and trying to mark, um, papers and try to give back to students. And I've had these poems for a while and I was trying to like do my work, but I just, I couldn't even focus on it. And I'm, you know, crying and I ended up calling, um, my cousin and right away she knew, like, she was just like, I was like, oh no, you don't have to come out. Don't worry about it. But she's like, no, I'm coming out. We're like, I'm going to hang out with you. And I think that's another thing you realize too, is just people are there for you. And it's, it is amazing. Just people are willing, your family and friends just kind of, they will be there for you in, in time of need. So we had hung out and then decided, you know what, let's just, again, just, this is happening. It's, shitty it's awful um but let's just kind of go have a night out and just enjoy ourselves and just kind of relax and and then the next morning I woke up and I kind of had like a pain in my stomach and it was probably a little worse than normal period cramps but I couldn't equate because I don't I never had really period cramps before I didn't know um but my cousin Chrissy and I we had gone to Smitty's and I'm we get breakfast and I have my milkshake and I am like keeled over rocking back and forth. And Chrissy's like, are you okay? Like, should we go somewhere? And so I just said, yeah, I need to get up and go. And I just wanted to get home and I crawled there. I like went into the shower and I remember sitting on the, like, like I sat down and like kind of lied down in the tub and just like let the water hit me. And I'm like clutching my stomach and, and the pain kept getting almost like sharper and sharper. And, and then all of a sudden, um, like my doctor's voice and my sister's voice because um, I had been talking to her as well and it was like you know if you have a sharp pain in your stomach um, go to emergency room right away and I remember my doctor had said that as well and 
And my sister said, you know, don't feel guilty. Like, just go to the emergency room if you feel like anything is off. And part of me is like, should I go? Am I am I overreacting? Or like, is this just normal? And I I hadn't known at this point. So I give you a call and you're in PEI and you're packing up to come home um, because it's the end of the golf tournament. And I just say, hey, I'm on my way to the emergency room. (laughs) I just think I need to get things checked out. My I'm in a lot of pain. And I think there might be something wrong, and if not, whatever. But I think I need to get checked out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, you know, again, another province. <laughs> yeah, I'm not Moncton, not New Brunswick this time. And like, oh, I got to get home. Like, anyway, we were on our way home. I just, I, I, you can only assume that, you know, okay, well, it's just, it's going to be fine. Like, there's, it can't be that serious. Like, we're just, just, you know, just a miscarriage, which sounds awful, but I've thought, you know, no problem. And I get, uh, I think I ended up getting dropped off, uh, at the hospital. Yeah. You called me, um, I think you had assumed I would be home at this point. Cause I called you and said, you know, you should meet me at the hospital. And then you were getting closer to coming into Halifax and you gave me a call and you're like, so where are you? I'm like, I'm still at the emergency room. I'm in a, like on a bed and, um, and you, I think you were kind of shocked. You're like, Oh really? Wow. Okay. And I said, yeah, I know you should definitely come and meet me. And, and so you came to the hospital and at that point I had been hooked up to just an IV and they had given me some med medications and stuff. And I think like looking back, the doctors knew it was the ectopic pregnancy, um, which just means that the embryo had implanted in a fallopian tube. And I guess it's not a viable pregnancy. Um, and as it grows, it can rupture a fallopian tube. So it is considered, you know, a medical emergency. And because um, I remember them keep like they kept coming in and saying, like, where's your husband? Is there anybody else you can call? And she's like, no, no, my husband will be here soon. Like, no worries. He's coming. (laughs) So you got there and then everything kind of just happened so quickly. Um, They said it was the ectopic pregnancy and. Well, I think first thing I, I remember walking into the the hospital room and I couldn't get over what I saw. Like you were, you were not doing well. Like you were hooked up and yeah, I was, there was, not at all what I had anticipated, and and what and you said things seemed to move, seem move quickly, but I I felt like that hour or two felt felt like days, like to figure out what was going on, and and yeah, I mean, eventually they you know they they wanted to get you know there was ultrasounds and they were doing tests, and I mean, and then and then eventually we get because you were at the QE two, one of our certain general hospital here, and. And then we get told, well, we're going to do a, you know, a ambulance transfer to the children's hospital, and women's and children's hospital, women and children's yeah. hospital, um, and you know, then you, you're going in an ambulance to the, this other hospital, and and here we go, like it was a whirlwind that, well, twenty four hours, I guess, but that twelve hours even, because as you mentioned, this turned into an emergency surgery. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're calling in a. Uh, a doctor to perform the surgery late in the evening. Yeah, it was like eleven o'clock at night or something. Close to midnight the by the time it happened, and I yeah, and so things changed very well quickly at the end of it. You know, really in a matter of hours, but it 
seemed to go, seemed to take forever. <laughs> and, and then we're talking to anesthesiologists and you're going to get put under. And then I'm in the waiting room and I'm like, all these things are running through my head. Like this is like what they're talking to us is if, you know, there's, there could be consequences, there's, there's dangers and all of these things. And I'm like, Oh wow. Like I thought I, I did not anticipate this is where we were heading down this path. Right. And here we are. And yeah, I remember the doctor coming in, the surgeon who came in and, and she said that, uh, you know, everything went well, but we knew one of the risks of that surgery was that, you know, you were going to lose, um, some of the, of the tube and then it was, there was going to be potential damages to your, your reproductive system, you know? And, and, uh, I mean, obviously at that point we just wanted you to be safe and, and make it, make it through. Um, and sure, you know, you did. You, you you got out of the surgery and but but there was there was some of the tube that was yeah they taken they I guess there was a minor complication during the surgery and they were not able to to save the tube and so I lost lost my left left tube I think I equated it to when they you know with technology these days they could actually show pictures of it and I remember them showing a picture of the the atopic pregnancy and I would equate it to if a small like garden snake swallowed a golf ball <laughs> and you saw that like at some point, like that's what it kind of looked like. And there's just no saving yeah. that. I mean, it just, they, yeah. but, but the risks to obviously you couldn't do nothing. I mean, cause if there's a rupture and internal bleeding and everything like it, it could be, Oh, it's fatal. It's fatal. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, this was pretty, pretty crazy, like, but you know, you, you did recover uh, from that and got home and uh although you know there was there was some scar tissue there was recovery it wasn't an easy thing you'd take time off work and uh luckily you know you were heading into the summer months being a teacher you were going to have some time off but i mean that was that was not a june that we had uh anticipated that no certainly sure. not and i think as a teacher and a high school teacher it's maybe the worst time because you know your kids are going into exam mode and I talk grade 10 and in Nova Scotia, that's, you know, provincial examination. And so you have this balance of like, you feel so guilty, like you're the worst teacher ever. And you're kind of leaving your kids high and dry. And, and I couldn't like lesson plan or prepare. So, you know, they, it was just kind of thrown to the wolves that substitute had to come in and prepare for them. So you feel like you're, you're failing as a teacher, like I'm failing in my career. And then like personally or I guess like as a woman like I'm failing and like my body is not able to like correctly get pregnant or like maintain a pregnancy and so you just you have like this emotion of like you're a failure and you can't you can't do anything right like nothing in in your life is working and I think that June is definitely a very trying time for sure and just trying to trying to get over it and and you're going through hormonal changes and I think that kind of mentally plays a part in it and then you just have that emotional part of just you know even though you know you kind of led into knowing it was a miscarriage but it was a miscarriage and it's in a, it is another loss and and then on top of that the loss of a tube and then knowing we've had difficulty getting pregnant and so then it was just like oh man like, is this ever going to happen 
And it was just so frustrating. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, a trying. It was trying times because like, you just he thought we thought you know everything was going down the path that we wanted it to. We and but we certainly hit a roadblock, and that was a very low point in our in our uh, our roadmap. I keep calling it, I guess, <laughs> but like I mean, certainly probably made us stronger as as husband and wife. But it was it was a hard time for us, and we you know we. We wanted it to work so bad. We still do, um, and it's it's just yeah, it's it's emotionally draining, um, no doubt. Yeah, no, it definitely is, and I and I think and that's the point where I realized because I think it was around that time where I was like, okay, I got to start telling, and like I even told like my brothers and um, you know you start telling family members and you start telling close friends. And I started sharing, you know, with my really close friends, like this is what I was going through. And I remember us having that conversation of like, should we share or should we not share? Like, is this something we keep private? And now looking back, it's like, like, why would you keep that? And I understand everybody has their own journey and everybody has their own experience and what they want to share and what they kind of want to hold close to them. But I think there is that level of maybe stigma or like there is that level of you shouldn't share. You're not supposed to tell anybody until you're three months pregnant before you share your pregnant because it's a high risk of losing the baby beforehand. But at the same time, like why should like us as a couple have to struggle with all these losses and then pretend everything's fine with our family and friends? And I think you know, we've, we've decided to start kind of sharing and just telling people kind of what we've been going through and the losses so that our family and our friends kind of know where we're coming from or kind of what's happening. Cause you want to share your highs and, and your lows with your, with your family. Mm-hmm. And I know you struggled a little bit maybe with telling people at first. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's just why well, you just don't like, you want to you want to have that that perfect life that you've that's in your mind and what you want you know people to to see you as and you know you're a beautiful wife you got a great career and family no that's I haven't checked the box it's just hard to say like and at this point though keep in mind we didn't really know what we know now right. I mean in terms of our what challenges we'd be facing um, but it was hard to say, you know, yeah, we, we maybe, we can't do it. We don't know why. And it, it, there's a, an ego part of it too. I think that you're like, you know, you're supposed to, uh, I, I remember biology, I'm no biology major, <laughs> but like, you know, the male has to contribute, you know, and, and, and is a key part of, you know, being able to, to, to make a child. And was I, you know, am I, less of a man because I can't do that. You know, I just think it was hard to, to talk to people about that and say, you know, we're having fertility challenges. Yeah. And so, I mean, generally kind of private as is anyways, but that was tough. So we, we, we eventually started talking more about it. I mean, and, and that was back, like we're talking, this particular instance was back in 2015. So we're we're for three three plus years uh, from from when that happened, and 
think, you know, a lot more people know about, about our story, but I mean, that was just really the, the beginning. Um, because it was at that point that we decided to go, we needed to go see help, professional help right. yeah. uh, from, from doctors because we, we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And, and I think our, um, Dr. Grace, she's the one who had done the surgery. She had said, you know, you should probably seek um, fertility treatment. And at this point, we had decided to just up, uproot our lives and move to Saskatoon. <laughs> and I think part of it was because of what was going on personally in our lives. And that part of me was just like, yeah, like life is not what I planned it to be. So let's just go on a new adventure. Um, but we don't need to get into that portion. But we had decided, you know, we're out in Saskatoon. And and so we went to a fertility clinic out there. And I think part of the problem, not problem, but it, it takes so long to get in. So um, that happened. We were referred in June, um, early July, late June, early July. And we didn't get in until February 1st, I think, was our first appointment. Yeah, it was it was late. It wasn't mm-hmm. it wasn't even that same calendar year. I think it was early the following early twenty sixteen that we got in to see um our doctor in Saskatoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we probably could have pushed harder, but we we were busy into a new adventure, I guess. And anyway, but eventually we did get to see our, our doctor, um who's escaping me, but uh and got to know the clinic and and um amazing clinic I agree. Do have to yeah 100 percent. they were phenomenal yeah no and so um and we had experienced another chemical pregnancy uh that december before we got in to see our fertility so at this point we had you know three miscarriages and we're just trying to figure everything out and so we go and see our doctor in saskatoon and she decided you know yes you definitely there's some investigation here. We should look into this and kind of figure out what is happening and why it's happening, I guess. Um, so we had to do a ton of blood work and a ton of just tests and everything. And it was deemed that we should, we do need um, support, I guess, in um, trying to get pregnant. So the first step was um, the IUIs, which is... Um, interuterine insemination so so sexy (laughs) (laughs) yeah when you when you go through fertility treatment and kind of all the different things you just the whole glamour of creating a baby and that that whole beautiful picture is kind of just shot right out the window yeah it certainly changes it's not like you it's it's not that spontaneous there's the spontaneity is not the same um and we were sad about maybe not having that, but at the same time, and when we got past that pretty quickly, we said, you know, we want, we want to, we want to maybe get help here if it's even going to happen. So we said, okay, well, sure. It's going to be a bit more, uh, forced if you will, but it's, uh, it's just, it's just, that's, that's what we decided we, we wanted to do. Yeah. So we did, and we did two rounds of IUI and, um, so that's ultimately, I guess, what it is for people who might be listening and not know. Um, and I'm not going to use medical terms here. Um, but basically, they um, give you the female medication so that you ovulate and that you produce 
more than just one um, follicle or more than one egg. So this medication, you might produce like six or seven, whatever it might be. And then um, they take the male specimen um, and ultimately put it into a uh, syringe, It's in a speculum or a... uh yeah, I don't know. Kind of like a syringe with a... Sure. <laughs> and uh, so then they give you a trigger shot and add ovulation. Um, they go in and then they inject you. It's timed. It's, it's yeah, there's lots of biology and, you know, the, the, the way that they get everything to kind of come together, but it's all timed. And then I do my, my thing, you know, that day so that it, you know, it's all... And, and and sperm is in, injected. It's it's not like the petri dish, like you know, taking A and B and, and merging together. This is um, a bit more of the like of a natural pregnancy, I guess, but uh, far less expensive and um, has proven to be successful. But after we tried that two or even maybe even three times, three times, Catherine. Yeah. Uh, you know, the doctor said, and I strongly suggest we got to go to the next, the next step, which is you, you go from a 300 or $1,000 procedure. I don't think it was a thousand dollars. I mean, it was very, very cost effective, let's say to, <laughs> to something that's, uh, significantly more. Um, yeah. And I don't know but, about you, but when the doctor said that, you know, we're going to do the step for IVF and just hearing IVF, I don't know. I felt, I felt like this sadness or that again, and I don't know if it's just as a female, you feel like you should be able to get pregnant. And it just, again, another step of I'm failing, I'm failing at this and I don't know what to do. And it's just, you see it in movies and you hear of people doing IVF, but I never thought it would be our reality. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, the challenge all the way through this is just like, why, right? Why is this not working? What? And then they really couldn't give us a good, a good answer. I mean, obviously, just from the procedure, the surgery you had with the atopic. I mean, we we have a knock against us because you're just it's just it's just gonna be naturally harder um, to to do to to become pregnant naturally. I mean, through testing, I mean, it comes to find out that. I mean, I remember the day we got to the clinic and we got results back and some sitting there going like, you know, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. Like, you know, what's, what's going on here, you know? And then she looks at me and says, actually, you know, more or less, she politely said, you're part of the problem. (laughs) You know, I, I, with, uh, sperm counts and, and motility and all that, like, I mean, it's like the friends, uh, it's, it's like the Friends oh, episode with Chandler and Monica. It's like, you know, it, it, we we fit that almost perfectly. It's kind of what happened with us too. And I think that was even like, again, that's another like, you know, again, that ego piece. It's like, oh my God, like yeah. I'm, I'm a man that can't, you know, provide for, for my wife and what like the, the, it was tough. Like, you know, you didn't think, I did not expect that. That was a just, so again, strike, there's not a strike against us, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, so, but, but we kept getting the, there was still positive that came out of all of it. I mean, there's still, you know, we were young, we're healthy, like that's okay. You know, you, we're going to go down the IVF path and you can, you know, we've seen this all the time. You can, you can be successful and have 
multiple children, you know, going this route. So, yeah. Um, and the doctor you know. is very optimistic because, um, the fact that we've had, um, even though they had resulted in miscarriages that, you know, we did get pregnant three times. She said, you know, that's a very positive thing. Cause she, she said, the fact, like a lot of people don't even experience that, like you don't even experience that positive pregnancy test. So, you know, she, she did try to give us some hope for sure, which kind of helps. And I think that's kind of what we clung on to every procedure, everything that we're doing. It was always that hope that no, this has to work. This has to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we went down that, that journey and, uh, back in 2016, I guess, is Mm -hmm. when we really started, the. Your memory's a lot better than mine in terms of the, you know, the dates and whatnot. But yeah, that again takes it to a whole new level when it comes to it's one thing to have to take a medication here or there or one trigger shot, which is an injection, you know, okay, one of those, fine, but you know, the IVF really amped that up and it's uh and again it's tough because it's all it's all on you. Like I had I I have to provide samples and I get to dive take a pill here and there, but like you're literally taking needles and injections and pills after pills after pills and it uh it wasn't easy but we again we you just do it though you do it and it's funny because with the needles and stuff and I always always like there's no way I'm gonna do this needle like and it's just amazing what you become used to or just kind of what you feel is normal and the fact that you can you know you put the needle in and it's no problem. And I started doing it by myself and, um, but it is, I do kind of need you. I need you just with helping cause it stings or it hurts. More moral support. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. It's, and it was all very time sensitive. So when you started injections, you know, it was daily for, for a couple of weeks there at least, you know, and it was time specific almost to the minute. Like we were, and we were, of course we're trying to be, we're you want to so do it perfectly. You want to do perfect. it perfectly because, like, yeah, anything out of step, you know, it's oh, it's because of that time. Like, I yeah. missed it by a minute, or so you try and pick times that you think are are going to work. And I still remember various instances where things come up during that time. Oh my gosh, do you remember and, the gym gap? <laughs> well, that's one example. I mean, here we are. That there's a needle we have to do, and it's 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 right like just as a we're at a comedy show in in Edmonton Alberta and yeah we have to take this shot as the show is just about to start and so what do you do oh well if you're us you uh you essentially we went into the male washroom yeah we took the shot with us go into the male bathroom together yeah and uh, when the show's starting so Jim is on stage or maybe the the first comedian. a comedian's on stage yeah and so there's not really anybody around. And then we decide to do the trigger shot, which has to happen at a very specific time. And yeah, that was... We're in the stall and <laughs> oh, and we were, I couldn't... The, the needle wouldn't work, like the plunger was stopped. It was like... It was... What a comedy of errors. Like that would... If someone could have been a fly on the wall watching us in that stall trying to get this done, like crazy. But we got it to work and then... And then I think I went out and like made sure the coast was clear and then, <laughs> and then you leave and then we go in to watch the comedy show and it's like, yeah, there you go. Like that happened. I mean, another time we were at a restaurant with friends of ours Oh yeah. and it was a group dinner. So it was, 
uh, it was again a work thing, but you were there and I mean, if we had a very specific time and we're going down into like the parking garage to our car to, to have this, to do the shot. And then it's just, it's so secretive. Like you want to just be able to say to people like, yeah, we got to go for 10 minutes. I got to go, we got to do a shot for our, our fertility treatment. But yet we're just trying to like be so like just secretive about it and go down to this parking garage and do the shot and try come back and then people <laughs> are like oh what are you doing yeah if only you knew what exactly we were doing like, yeah, yeah we were trying to have a baby but like, <laughs> maybe in a little different crazy. way you yeah know, like, it was uh man and it is like life encompassing just with the shots and the needles and the different things and and I think that's one of the challenges that I've like I faced and I know probably I don't want to speak for you but maybe you felt the same way of when you know you're going into an IVF cycle and then you have to try to plan around it and say okay well this is happening this month and this is happening that month and but it just boils down to there's no right month there's no right time to but I think it's frustrating the things that you might miss or the things that you have to kind of work around just because you just can't be there. But so we had our IVF attempts. Yeah, attempts, <laughs> plural. I mean, first round, Saskatoon, no dice. We did end up. So I think the pro. So when you do IVF, um, again, you do you take medication. Um, and for some reason, um, my body doesn't respond to the medication as age appropriate. So for a 30 year old, you shouldn't be on like a high, high dose, but for some reason I'm taking like the dose of a 40 year old woman, um, because the low doses, I don't produce enough eggs. So with our first round of IVF, I only ended up, we only ended up, we had, I think eight follicles, um, we only had seven eggs, and then again, um, so we do the ICSI, where that means that the sperm is injected right into the egg, and then they hope that it develops into an embryo. Um, and then from that, you wait three days to see how they develop, and then you wait five days, and then on day five, you can transfer, and then hopefully you have some left over to freeze. And then, and then you kind of have like a safety bank. So you don't always have to do um, the full IVF and take all the hormones. Um, but for some reason, I don't respond well to the medication. And so um, our first round of IVF, we only ended up with two viable, out of the eight, two were only viable embryos. And so we decided to inject one and we were able to freeze one. But again, we still had that hope like, oh, babe, this is it. This is our family we'll inject one and we'll get pregnant and then we have one in frozen and later on we'll have the second one and that'll be our kind of perfect, perfect little family. Um, but the first round of IVF didn't work at all, the fresh round. Um, and then our doctor was like, let's do the frozen. I think you're ready. You can do this. And it had worked and we were excited, but again, cautious. And I think that's one thing that this whole process takes away is even that positive pregnancy test there's something in the pit of your stomach or just in your heart that's just you want to move on to the next the next step it's and it was it's like that was day to day like Mm -hmm. and bro you know more for you than me I mean it's effects as a woman I mean it obviously you're affected more 
by by pregnancies happening or not. So I mean, you're you're with what your body's telling you, and I mean, so you're it'll go hour by hour, like day to day. It was uh, I just anytime you texted, called <laughs> me when I was at the house. Anytime you went to the washroom, like I, it was pins and needles constant because um, you just you just like you said in the pit of your stomach you just you just didn't know and you you want to be positive but you know that you knew that there was a chance that it maybe still wouldn't work and you know we started out with that positive test and at that clinic they do regular checkups I think it was you know see them three days later and three days after that and after that just to monitor the, the levels and uh, once again you know we we got news we weren't hoping for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she said that you know it hadn't developed the way they'd hoped, and it was going to be it was going to be a miscarriage, and um, and at that point I hadn't been spotting or bleeding, um, but she said that I would soon, and she said you know if I want to carry it out naturally, um, and I think I was like eight or nine weeks pregnant. Um, with this one so you kind of get to like that point where you think like are we over the hump like is this I remember I had a little bit of morning sickness we had gone to the Calgary stampede for for the weekend just to kind of get away again get our minds off of it and just kind of enjoy and then um, you know you come back to the appointment and I during the Calgary stampede like I remember one morning or a couple mornings actually I kind of was feeling a little nauseous and so you're thinking like all right, this is a good sign. Like I'll be, I'll be sick for, for the next however long, if that means like I'm going to carry this baby. And, but, uh, you know, a week later you go to the appointment and she kind of gives you the bad news and, and then it hits you again. And yeah, it's just a punch in the gut. Uh, yeah. it takes your breath away. Really. I remember that appointment too, being in the, in the room and it was, uh, you know, an ultrasound because they're taking measurements to see and we've far enough along that they could actually do that and, and actually see the, the embryo. Um, but yeah, it was two clicks of a mouse and a look over to say, mm. I'm sorry, but yeah. this isn't, it isn't going to work. It's like, holy, like, here we go. Away we go back to the house and, uh, you know, let things take their course and once again, <laughs> what I thought when when they said let it take the, their course, its course, wow, we're we were in for another bit of a journey uh, shortly thereafter. Brian and I hope that by sharing this piece of us, it will allow others who are currently or who have previously struggled with fertility issues to know they're not alone. Let's break the silence surrounding this issue. And for those listening who didn't know how loaded the question, when are you going to have children, could be, we hope this episode informs you to be more mindful of the potential fertility struggles a couple may be facing. Brian and I are not finished our story, so tune in to the next episode of Pieces of Us as we move back to Nova Scotia and navigate through a new fertility clinic. Until next time, I'm Catherine Paquette. Thanks for listening.
pieces of us, pieces of you, pieces of me, pieces of us, pieces of you, pieces of me, pieces of us, pieces of you.